0: Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday-ish, and this is episode 89. In horror movie podcast, you'll hear in-depth reviews with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host for this evening, Wolfman Josh. And my lone co-host tonight is...
1: Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia,
0: PA. The regular host, Jay of the Dead, was not available for this episode, so we're doing another little son of horror movie podcast action again this week. And tonight, our topic is horror shorts, or the short film format in the horror genre. We'll be doing a little theme discussion, have an interview with a successful horror short film filmmaker, and Dave and I will give you our top five horror shorts lists with links so that you can check these out yourself also love to hear what your favorite horror shorts are, and if you've made one yourself, please send it our way so we can all enjoy it. So I'll start off the discussion tonight with my little rant about short films. I am a short film lover, but that was not always the case, and my relationship to short films has evolved over the years. When I was a kid, yeah, they were fine. But as I grew up and kind of got interested in filmmaking, I really started looking down on short films. I think when you're in film school, you're encouraged to make short films, and everyone takes themselves way too seriously. And there are always films about college students looking at themselves in the mirror for a good portion of the film. I just found that really off-putting, and I just never had interest in making a short film. I did a few with my friends just for fun, but my approach was always like, look, if you're going to spend the time, if you're going to spend the money, just make a feature But I've come around to short films for a few reasons, mainly because short films are just an excellent calling card. And of course, that is why many filmmakers make short films. They're often made by film students. And the idea is to show people what you can do. And in the past few years, we've seen some incredible examples of filmmakers being scooped up out of obscurity based on their short films and given feature film projects. And I think the digital age has a lot to do with that. I think when kids were first able to do visual effects CGI on their own laptop and then post that to YouTube, it would take what would typically be just a a two-people-in-a-room talking movie and add a giant robot that could destroy a city. And I think that really changed the way short films are made. Now, there's always been a few different ways to approach a short film. I think a lot of them, most of them, are cheap and kind of suck. But like any movie, the story is really at the heart of it. So I think when you see a really good short film... It doesn't necessarily always have to look great, but if the filmmakers are interested in storytelling, then you get something really good. The other approach would be throw a bunch of money at it, and I never understood this. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier. If you're going to spend $250,000, just make a movie. But then again, we've seen people with careers much more successful than mine, like Dan Trachtenberg, who just made 10 Cloverfield Lane. Started out as a podcaster, ironically, was doing some commercials and then decided to spend a huge amount of money to make a short film adaptation, almost just like a trailer, not even a full short film, just a tiny snippet of a story from the video game portal. And that was seen by J.J. Abrams. He was scooped up and he was given a job, at bad robot to develop a bunch of projects. Not all of them went through, but eventually he got to do a film. He did 10 Cloverfield Lane all these years later. That is, by all accounts, a great movie. So that way works, too. But for me, that still always kind of felt like a gimmick. And I think part of that is that most short films are built like a joke, with a setup and a payoff. The good ones, anyway, are built like a joke. And I think comedy and horror have always shared that. And I think that's why, like I talked about on our comedy-horror episode, horror-comedy can be an effective crossbreed, because they both work on the same premise of Surprise, of The Unexpected of the punchline and short films work that way too oftentimes they're a lead up to a punchline and that's it and while i think those can be really effective and they are fun to watch i did grow a little jaded as someone going into film thinking like this is kind of cheap they're not really doing any good storytelling or character arcs they're just telling a quick punchline joke it's like the cinematic equivalent of a jump scare if you will And I will admit, I'm still a little bit adverse to that because I've seen things that can be done better. Like you look at the film Scream, and we talked about this when we did our Scream coverage. That opening cold open with Drew Barrymore functions like a short film. And it's an incredible short film. Takes you through a whole range of emotions. There's so much character set up. By the time, spoiler alert, Drew Barrymore's parents see her hanging in a tree, your heart is breaking for them. They're great performances, it's beautifully shot, but the storytelling is top-notch there. And that's just so rare in short films. I think if short film filmmakers would look at that cold open of Scream and say, how can I create something like this that doesn't just end with a punch? They can be a bit more substantial. And I think documentary, actually, is the most substantial filmmaking style for the short film format. And I'll tell you why there are so many great stories, real life stories that can be told that don't necessarily warrant a 90 minute runtime, but are can be really fascinating in the short form. You take like a show like This American Life, the podcast or The Moth, and you can have a really compelling story with all kinds of character development in just a short 10 minutes. And for me, documentary is one of the few forms that is really effective in the short form format, maybe even most effective in that format. Horror, on the other hand, I think struggles, and so that's what I wanted to talk about tonight, because again, I think they can work really well in the setup, payoff, punchline version, but is that ultimately interesting as an art form? Is that sustainable over a long period of time? Do you still care after you watch a hundred of these, like in a collection or an anthology? So I want to get into all of that tonight, talk about this thematically for a while, and then give you some of our very favorite horror short films. And just a warning: a few of mine are going to be kind of unconventional, but I promise I'm going to give you some hard-hitting stuff as well. So, Dave, what's been your experience with horror short films?
1: Uh, I don't have a lot, to be honest with you. I've I've seen a few collections and a few here and there. I've seen a lot of short films, and I've covered them on the blog. Uh, but they're from you know you get them from all over the world. One of the one of the sources I have is I'm uh, part of the Film Movement, and it's just at filmmovement.com. And what it is, is it's a DVD a a month club. Uh, And they get all of these independent films that otherwise would not have been released. And you get them sent to your door. Now, one of the biggest ones recently was they had Phoebe, which was nominated for Best Foreign Film um, at the recent Academy Awards. That's probably one of the biggest movies that they had gotten in their collection. But one of the things that they send every single month when you get the DVD is they all contain a short film. Not necessarily connecting to the topic, not even necessarily the home country of where it's from, but they always have a short film on there. And what I find is that I know I, one of the, the types that fascinate me are the animation. You know, I mean, there was one animation that they had given where a guy used sand. He just drew in the sand and he animated it into this this like seven minute, just wild sort of of of, of animated film, just of sand and 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 everything, and it was
0: truly amazing. No, wow, that sounds amazing. And I think animation is actually another one of those filmmaking styles that really benefits from the short film. For one thing, like a lot of the people making short films are first time filmmakers or student filmmakers and so you don't see a lot of scope in those films with animation you can do anything you can do anything in the world and you can have really epic big stories with amazing visuals it doesn't cost you necessarily more money it just costs you more time so yeah i think there definitely are certain filmmaking styles that lend themselves to more artistically done short films
1: that's where I really get, like, when you look at animation, there's so many different ways to do animation. Um, and another one I had, I had looked at recently where, where the, the woman, it was very, it's a personal thing about, you know, um, a girl maturing into, into womanhood, um, but it's all hand-painted. And this woman hand-painted over eight months, sometimes working seven days a week, 14 hours a day, painting frame by frame. Um, the, this animation, just so much work goes into them
0: yeah, that wow. you
1: don't realize you watch this seven minute film. And what you don't realize is you're looking at uh, eight months to a year of somebody's life
0: yeah.
1: a, across those seven minutes. Um, and I think that's a lot of what animation is, especially in, in, in short films.
0: Oh, wow, that's amazing. And I don't know if I talked about this with Nick Peterson this time or last time, but I like that idea that the short film frees you up in some ways to be more artistically creative because there's not the business element attached to it that there is with feature filmmaking where it's such an expensive endeavor that it's just as much about the money as it is about the art. And with short film, you don't have that pressure necessarily. There are a lot of filmmakers who have gone on to be household names that are pretty famous that started out making horror shorts. And, you know, I was thinking about Tim Burton, you know, he did Frank and weenie. Oh, so many years ago, the live action short film. And I had that VHS tape for years. And then who would have thought 20 years later, that would be a computer animated feature film, you know?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, and uh, for me though, my favorite Tim Burton, uh, short, um, is this animated one that he had, uh, he had done. It was narrated by Vincent Price and it's called Vincent. and it's about this young boy, uh, this young boy who um, you know he he's, pretends that he's Vincent Price and, he, and he's living in an Edgar Allan Poe world. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's black and white. it's just it's, it's very sort of gothic in, in, in what it's shown. And, and it started out Tim Burton had written it as a, as a story and it's, it's, it's a poem. It's almost as if it was a, a Edgar Allan Poe you know, a poem along the lines of the Raven or something. Uh, The way it's, it is the the way it's presented. And he got Vincent Price to narrate it. Um, And one of the coolest things that Vincent Price um, said that this short film for him was, was better than the, um, than the star on the Hollywood walk of fame. He said, this was, this was more of an honor for him than, than that. uh, The short film, because it it was, it's about a boy who wants to be Vincent Price, um, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, and a lot of great feature films started out as shorts. I mentioned when I talked to Nick Peterson on the last episode that I thought The Visitant was possibly an influence on The Boba Duck. And he didn't necessarily think so. And then, you know, through some research, I discovered, of course, that The Boba Duck was based on a short film, Monster, by the same director, Jennifer Kent, back in 2005. So that's really cool to see that she made this short film in 2005 and 10 years later was able to turn that into just an incredible feature film that we all loved. Director Neil Blomkamp focuses on science fiction, but he's an interesting guy who's made a lot of short films. All of his feature films, I think, started as short films first. District 9, which is a science fiction film but does contain some serious body horror, started as Alive in Joburg, and his film Chappie was based on several short films and commercials he made that were kind of cobbled together into what we now know of as Chappie which I talked about on the Sci-Fi Podcast. You guys should really listen to the Sci-Fi Podcast Episode 2 if you're interested in that. That was one of my favorite podcasts I've ever recorded. The movie Mama, which was produced by Guillermo del Toro, started out as a short film in 2008 called Mama. And Guillermo del Toro saw that and really wanted to help them make it into a feature film. Saw started out as a short film. James Wan made that in 2003, and the next year was able to make a feature film. And that was a case where the short film functioned as a proof of concept. So that's another reason people make short films, is to say, hey, investors, I know I haven't made a feature film before, and maybe this script seems crazy, but here's what it would look like if I made the film. And so in that case, they had the feature film script and the short film, and they would send them out together when they were trying to get funding for the film, which they eventually did. I mean, talking about that proof of concept, you have Sin City when robert rodriguez wanted to show people that what he was going to do with sin city when he was pitching and this is an idea he was using a technology or a filmmaking style that at that point was basically completely new and so he had to show people what he was going to do and rather than just getting some film students together or whatever he brought in hollywood actors he shot it with josh harnett and marley shelton and they shot the customers always right which is just that little
1: and i think that and he used that to wasn't that didn't he use that to kick off um sin city yeah that i think that was the, the first segment of the film,
0: yeah and one i think our listeners might be most interested in would be Within the Woods, the 1978 short film by Sam Raimi that eventually became The Evil Dead in 1981. And that's just a small sampling. Many, many, many of our favorite films were first short films. But there are two of these coming up that I'm really excited about that I wanted to mention briefly. One of them is Ellen Page is going to be in a feature film version of the short film The Third Wave, which is a zombie film. Another zombie movie that's based on one of my all-time favorite horror shorts, Cargo, will star Martin Freeman in the feature film version. And I'll talk about that more later, but I am so excited to see what they will do with this. And let's talk a little bit about music videos. I I talk about this on the show all the time, but for me, a pivotal moment in my film appreciation was Michael Jackson's short film, Thriller. And, you know, it's a music video. And before that time, a lot of music videos were pretty basic, mostly just band performance.
1: Right. Yeah. Or they they would tell a little story, but always within the context of the song. Uh, They never went outside of that. They never included dialogue of much dialogue. Maybe they'd have like an opening or a closing or something. I remember Tom Petty's You Got Lucky, um, you know, had had these sort of drifters going through this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Um, and I know Berlin had done something about like a 1930s crime, but but none of them had gone to the level that Michael Jackson did with Thriller.
0: I mean, yeah, he's I mean, got a serious budget. Number one, number two, he brings in John Landis, who right, you know, an exceptional filmmaker, and for my money, still some of the coolest zombies that I've ever seen on
1: screen. Absolutely, I mean, I love absolutely. And also, also at the beginning, a werewolf. Yeah. You, had, you had a werewolf uh, at the, at the beginning of it. That was, it was a That was really <laughs> a werecat. cat. That's true. Yeah, I guess it was a werecat. cat. Um, but what was it? Uh, you know, Michael Jackson did go on to um, uh, the the church came down on him um, for his participation in that.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and and he tried to distance himself from it later it, later on. Um, mostly because of that, um, you know, he, he tried to distance himself, and then there were even some legal issues between the actress who was in it with him and John Landis, both suing Michael Jackson for the for the profits from it. It kind of, they had kind of an unfortunate legacy, um, but for what it did, I mean, I remember rushing home from school because when it was going to premiere, I couldn't wait to see it. Yeah, um, you know, MTV was really, you know, talking it up at that time, and this is in the the infant days of MTV. I mean, everyone likes to joke now when MTV used to show music. Um, I think it might be getting back to it now, which is good. But um, I'd have MTV on for hours and hours on end. um, When, when it first launched, I would just let it play in the background. I'd be upstairs doing my homework in front of the TV with, with MTV. (laughs) Um, I just lived on MTV for, for years there. I got to, you know, I got to know which VJs I liked better than others. But when they were talking about Thriller, that was one I said, this is something I just got to see. Yeah.
0: I didn't know about those behind the scenes things. And that's unfortunate because I think um, the legacy should be not only this total sea change in music videos, but also Mm -hmm. a really great example of what could be done with horror and a short film.
1: Yeah. It just carried off so well. I mean, it's still entertaining now. And Michael Jackson was a bit of a pioneer because you look at Billie Jean and that was an interesting video. Mm-hmm. You yeah, doing some different things in that. But yeah, bringing in John Landis. And I later on he would work with, I think it was Martin Scorsese did Bad. Yeah, Not a horror one, of course, but um, still you got someone like Martin Scorsese doing it. I know Sam Peckinpah had directed Ju- uh, Julian Lennon music video. Um, you had a lot of directors, um, and Spike Jones. I got his start. I think doing some music videos.
0: Oh yeah, there's a great uh, set of DVDs, and now we're getting a little bit off topic, but maybe not because you know music videos are a great example of uh, short films. Oh yeah, and um, there's a company called Directors Label. I believe it was released by Palm Pictures. But they do uh, these directors' collections of music video directors. And there's a Michel Gondry music video collection that's really awesome. Like, amazing. Oh, I've seen them. And I I think I might even have the Spike Jones one. You're right, because there's one by Spike Jones. Yeah. Yeah. The Spike Jones one's excellent. And then the one that kind of got me thinking in the horror direction is Chris Cunningham. His are pretty scary looking. He does a lot of horror videos and stuff, but. Um, if anybody hasn't seen those, it's director's label on Palm Pictures, and they're just called the work of director Chris Cunningham, or the work of director Michel Gondry, or the work of director Spike Jones, and those are probably the three most famous of their releases, just because okay. of the directors involved. And I would recommend all of those. I own all three of them. If people nice. like music videos, those are really awesome. But Mark Romanek, you know, he's got an amazing collection. Uh, several, several guys. So definitely check those out. That's Jonathan Blazer, Anton Anton Corbin. So yeah. Worth hmm. worth seeing. Interesting. Now, that was a weird example, but actually one of the very first horror shorts I ever saw was animated and was, I guess, targeted at children? I'm not sure, but I had convinced my mom to rent me Godzilla uh, 1985, and I remember sitting there watching the VHS tape, and up came Bambi. And not only did I like monsters at the time, I was still young enough that Bambi was also something I was very interested in. And so I remember sitting there watching the credits, and it's so... And it's so primitive, but up comes the title, Bambi Meets Godzilla, and the credits roll and they roll, and as they roll, Bambi is sitting there grazing on a you know field of grass and flowers, and as soon as the credits are finished, a giant Godzilla foot comes down and just splats Bambi completely flat. That kind of freaked me out as a kid. And again, you're dealing with a punchline film and the unexpected, but yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting horror-themed short films that are targeted at children.
1: And of course, you get all those great, you know, short films of the fifth. Let's let's face it, the Bugs Bunnies and all that; those are short films, and they were shown prior to uh, theatrical releases at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, that's how that's how they got started. And I know Disney got into the, a lot of those as well. But one of the, I think there's one Donald. There's a Donald Duck one. My my parents had gotten it on Super Eight film, and there's a Donald Duck Halloween one hmm. with him and his nephews. And I seem to remember that one. Uh, you know, obviously it's not really scary. I mean, maybe when I was very young, I found it a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, and another one, is, it, I guess it qualifies as a short film, it was released, um, is, is Disney's um, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow.
0: Oh, yeah, of course, that's a classic. That
1: they had done, yeah. that that's a, And that's a short film narrated by Bing Crosby.
0: And one um, of the first things I remember scaring me as a kid, too.
1: <laughs> me too, me too, was that, that ending. Most of it is just sort of this story. Ichabod Crane Ichabod Crane, exactly. But then when it gets to the end, man, that's creepy.
0: Yep, absolutely. So one thing I wanted to talk with you a little bit about is anthologies. We're not necessarily going to specifically cover anthologies on this episode because we're going to do that another time. But some anthology collections are really just a bunch of great shorts. I mean, you get into some of them like...
1: Well, you got the ABCs of Death. Yeah, that one exactly. right there, and and the very first one in the first is is a for um, a for apocalypse, yes. or Armageddon, um, and that one just like that is that is a hell of a way to kick off that that collection <laughs> because that is a brutal. Uh, startling, surprising, I mean, you know, it shows you how it can just, how, how a short film can really get to you, because I think, um, and there are some good ones at the beginning there, you know, you, you have the um, uh, the B for Bigfoot, D for Dogfight is excellent, a very yes. stylish yeah. short film, but I was thinking about A for Apocalypse, I think, till we got up to about M or N, I just couldn't get that one out of my head. <laughs>
0: and maybe just because it's first but it's still the one i think of when i think of abc's of death it's the very first thing that enters my mind absolutely other than too. whatever that weird farting one was that well, i cannot yeah, erase.
1: god <laughs> f for fart yeah jesus good lord i mean that that one's like Wow.
0: But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's actually a great example because, you know, a lot of the anthology films, you're dealing with longer stories that are Mm -hmm. kind of themed. But with the ABCs of Death, they're just, you know, they're their own individual stories only tied together by the letter of the alphabet. And so they're really free to kind of go anywhere. And they do go anywhere. And they're also very short because they have to pack so many of these into the hour and a half running time or whatever it is. Right. As opposed to you know, creep show where you're going to get a much longer story. Right. Exactly. Oh, let's Uh, sorry. You were telling me about these horror collections that you're excited about. Oh
1: yeah. Um, well, one of them is, um, uh, I had actually covered it on the blog. Let me pull it up real quick here. Sorry. Uh, uh, that's okay. It's called three dead girls. Okay. Okay. And it is by Christopher Allen Broadstone is his name. And he did these three shorts, um, all starring Tony Simmons, And they're all very different. Um, One of the ones I think is the most interesting one is one called My Skin, and it's Death. And this guy, Simmons, plays Death. He's coming to collect the soul of a murdered housewife. But he finds as he's looking through his ledger that she wasn't due to die for another 64 years. So she's been cheated. Um, And so what he does is he's got something in mind for the killer you know, to sort of get back at him. And it's just very interesting the way they put it together. And I think one of the creepiest things about it uh, or something that I even wrote in, in my review of this is that, um, you know, the, the Grim Reaper is not happy. And I thought part of it was because of the date. And if you look on his ledger, the date that he's writing is September 12th, 2001. Mm-hmm. And obviously I was thinking, wow, the day before he would have been very busy. Yes, yes. And I thought it was kind of interesting that they threw that in there. Well, I threw that in the review and Christopher uh, Bronstone got back to me and he said, listen, that was a total coincidence. Because this was made months before nine eleven. He just happened to pick that date.
0: That is the one of the craziest things I've ever heard. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, he did that, that. He had that, that was just pure coincidence that he had September 12, thousand one. Is
0: insane
1: in there. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: and I thought that that kind of kind of oh geez, and absolutely uncanny. Uh huh. Um, and then another one I'll talk about as we get in a little bit when we get into our you know into our favorites because um, it's it's kind of interesting um, and it even has it even has a. a um, a network connection
0: really okay yes good tease at this point of the show we are going to jump into my interview with nicholas peterson the guy we talked about his short film sticky fingers which today is still on kickstarter but won't be probably by the end of the week so go check that out if you haven't yet and donate i know our friend juan helped kickstart that project which is very cool hopefully others of you have too But you'll remember, if you heard that show, that Nick is a short filmmaker. And so I wanted to talk to him a little bit about his films that he's done and the career of someone who makes short films. All right. At this point in the show, we are welcoming back director Nicholas Peterson. How's it going, Nick? Hey, man. How's it going? A long time, no talk. Yeah. So uh, we had you on before to talk about your Kickstarter campaign for Sticky Fingers.
2: Yes. Yes. That was awesome. Really cool project. Best campaign ever <laughs> <Real cool.
0: laughs> So we are talking about horror shorts, and I wanted to get your take on that as someone who makes horror shorts. How did you kind of get into that, and um, yeah, why is horror the field that you've been working in so much?
2: You know it's funny, uh, yeah, I mentioned on the earlier podcast how you know I, I worked in you know visual effects, and then I, I made my own feature film, and after the first feature, I realized it's really hard to make money in independent feature films and I should probably focus on commercials and not worry about narrative filmmaking. So after my commercial, you know, push and I felt that I kind of established, you know, because when you're trying to like build a career as a director, at least for me, you kind of have to focus on a few things. And I put all my brain power into commercials. And then once I got that going, I felt okay, now we can start going back into the narrative thing. And I thought, well, I should make a horror short because I, mean, I just love horror and you should do what you love. And that's what I started doing is making these little horror shorts.
0: Okay. So tell the audience about Drained and The Visitant and Sticky Fingers if they missed our previous conversation.
2: Sure. So Drained is my first one that I did. I did on Kickstarter with John Heater, uh, better known as Napoleon Dynamite. John and I uh, raised some money and we made this really great short um, about how addiction can affect the lives of people. It's called Drained. You can check it out, just Google Drained Nick Peterson. You'll find it. And then afterwards we did a a short film called The Visitant that stars Amy Smart and Doug Jones about a mother protecting her child from a demon. Uh, Obviously, Amy is the mother and Doug Jones is the demon. <laughs> and I would that, love to see that the other way around, though. That could be really cool. You know what? <laughs> Doug would Doug would probably love to play a mother. And Amy would probably love to play a demon. I mean, they're actors. So, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't do it. But that one, uh, visitant's actually coming out as part of a, a, a horror anthology with a, a company called Terror Films. So it's was called um, Patient 9. I think it's called. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of cool. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's got Michael Ironside in it as as, this doctor or something as a wraparound for the story. And I I haven't seen the other shorts on it, but I heard they're really great. And that's coming out, I think any week now, whenever it does come, it's called patient nine. Um, and the newest short film is called sticky fingers. Uh, and this one is interesting because we shot it all live action first, and then we did the Kickstarter to earn the money, to make it all animated as a hand-drawn animation uh, piece. And it's really, really cool. It's, uh, it's definitely, um, it, it's been pretty exciting making this thing. So those are, those are my three latest horror short films.
0: So you've gone out to festivals with these films. What has that experience been like And in interacting with other short filmmakers?
2: I mean, anytime you make shorts, uh, you, you, you kind of ask yourself, what do I do with it? You know, you can't make money on a short film, right? And you can't really, you know do anything beyond just show it around so what i've found is these shorts are really incredible because it lets me have a reason to meet other people it lets you go to festivals it lets you interact with audience members it lets you meet other filmmakers and other people making film and the best part about it is it's a calling card i mean for years and years a short film is a calling card and that's why you make these things because one I mean, I love just to make stuff. And if I'm not making something, then I'm really bored. And it's also, it's a calling card. I mean, that's how I got my agent uh, with Drained. And that's how I get most of my meetings is with these short films. And then some people, you know, make them that spin off to a larger feature film. Some just make other things afterwards. And and they also work hand in hand with commercials. I mean, I'll try new techniques or new lenses and new cameras in these short films that I'll use in commercials. And then I'll use, you know, same thing, commercials, uh, crew and cameras and lenses or whatever, and use it into the, the short film. So they, they kind of work hand in hand.
0: I mean, I think it's really cool to think about. You look at something like The Visitant, it would be really difficult for an independent filmmaker to stage a feature length production with that level of makeup effects and set design and, and post-production work that you did with that film. You you know you're able to like you say make this really powerful calling card and do it in a short amount of time that it's cost effective,
2: that's cool. Um, no, you're totally right. I mean, yeah. Visitant would be really expensive on a feature level because since it was a short, I mean, like Steve Wang who did the the makeup on the Visitant. I mean, Steve. I mean, just look him up. He is the man. I mean, he's the guy that built the Predator. You know, yep. and he's just done so many incredible things. I mean, he built you know like Abe Sapien. You know, Doug Jones as Abe Sapien in Hellboy. That's all Steve. And I mean, the list goes on forever. And it's funny because on Visitants, you know, when, when I, you know, I, I had known Steve previously to the Visitant and that's how we kind of got made because I knew Steve Wang and John Heater knew Doug Jones and Doug, tall, and, and Doug and Steve knew each other. So I called Steve, John called Doug and we both said, oh, Steve's involved and Doug's involved. And, and then they got together and it's this cool little triangle. And, and you know, on a feature, it'd be harder to do because then you've got you know, contracts and schedules. But on a short, it's like, what are you doing in three weeks for a weekend? Right. And you kind of schedule the stuff. And even the creation of the demon, a lot of what went into making uh, the demon and the visitant were leftover spare parts that Steve had laying around from other movies. And on a feature film, you could never do that because you need so much replication for everything. But on yeah. a short, when you're going to shoot for one day, you can make a one-off demon costume that we did. So that visitant costume, when we were done, or suit, or whatever you want to call it, uh, when they tore it off Doug Jones, that was it. It could <laughs> never be done again, which is scary if you need to do a reshoot, but you know, there really was no other choice. So you could, and that's how we get you know, this, this super high-quality production in both visitant and drained, is you know, we build the suit once and we shoot it, we check to make sure it all worked, and we back up all of our hard drives in, in, in triplicate, and then you just kind of go on to the next thing.
0: So, we've talked a lot about the production aspects, which I think are fascinating. Let's talk about story for a little bit and what are the things you like about having the short format for storytelling, and what are the difficulties there, especially in the horror genre?
2: Um, I think anytime you're telling any type of story, whether it's a 30 second commercial, or a five-minute short film is is looking at it realistically and being as as short and concise as possible. I actually there there's there is a scene in Visitant that we I did lift out during the editorial. It's about a two-minute scene. May not not two minutes. It's like a minute, minute and a half. But there's there's a full scene in the middle of the short that is that that we shot that is not released because when I was showing friends, they said no, it's it's a really great scene, but it's kind of Destroying the, the 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 flow of the film as a whole. So I think, and, and even drained, like drained. My first cut was like 19 minutes, wow. which I know, believe me. Wow, seriously. Um, and I think drained that would drained, be an
0: in, that would be an intense version of that because that movie, that short is super intense. Um, oh, thanks. As a short <laughs> film, I mean, it is just like holy crap. Buckle up for
2: this. Yeah, and and that's like that's pretty long. It's like twelve minutes, and like my first short film, Mom. That's all animated. That's like seven, and I think for shorts, I mean, if it's going to be over two minutes, your story better be super super strong, because no one's attention span is longer than two minutes. So if you're going to make anything, you got to make sure that that one your your production value deems worthy of watching. But more importantly, you've got to have. A super compelling story where something new is happening every ten to fifteen seconds. If you if you can actually quantify, you know, uh, page turns of people's brains, and that that's that's the biggest challenge of any short film is even though it's short, I, I always consider this right. I I can sit down and watch Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia is like three and a half hours long, right. And I am riveted the entire movie. You know, I mean, you if you watch Titanic, I mean, Titanic is. Three and a half hours long as well, right, right. and you're in the entire movie. Yet you're watching TV, and a commercial comes on for Pizza Hut, and in 15 seconds you want to shoot yourself in the head because you're so <laughs> bored. And it's like, why is that? And film is weird that way. It's like it's like film allows you to kind of be. It's, it's like you're you're almost like a time traveler where time doesn't exist any any longer, and it's your job as a filmmaker to create that time for your viewer i know that sounds kind of esoteric and strange but realistically i mean you are i mean you're you're recreating time and that's what storytelling and film is all about is taking time and manipulating that time in order to make entertainment so you kind of forget about yourself and you're in that story with those characters yeah there's something
0: about that medium mm -hmm. because like i i deal with this all the time in documentary filmmaking too yeah because i can listen to this American life for an hour and never be bored or radio yep. West in Salt Lake. And, and yet if I was to put that same conversation on film and ask people to sit there for an hour, that do would drive them insane. They couldn't sit yeah. still. And I don't know what it is about that combination. It's just the fact that you're a captive audience and you can't be driving or working out or washing the dishes or whatever while you're listening to it. But, um, you, the audience expects a lot more when there's this visual attached to it. And it, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about. And I'm sure your commercial work actually has trained you for that better than anything else to be able to make these tell these stories in such a short period of time.
2: Yeah, commercials are weird because it's more about getting, uh, you, you want to sell an image very quickly. So it's about being able to tell a story in, in very short beats. You know, like, you know, the hand goes on the glove, the glove grabs the handle of the truck. The, it opens and the truck pulls away. Well, in a movie, the pacing is a little different. You know, it's like the person looks at the hand and they look at the glove and you wonder, was that glove used in a murder? Is there blood on it? And then when they slip it on, does it fit or does it not fit? Yeah. So the pacing is different, but the storytelling should still move at a very quick pace.
0: What well, was interesting how you said every 10 to 15 seconds, right? Because like in a feature film script, people would say like every 10 pages or whatever,
2: something needs to happen. I oh, love that's... this idea that in a short <laughs> film, it's every 15 seconds, something new needs to happen. You know what I always think of is I, I always think of The Simpsons. If you ever read a, a, a script from The Simpsons or just watch it, and I don't know if this is like a mandate that Matt Granning made, like I have no insight, but if you look at it, those episodes, there is a joke, no joke, every like 10 to 15 seconds. And it is crazy how much content they pack into it. And I, and I always think about that whenever I'm making, not like every time I'm cutting something or shooting something, but, but you really do. You need new information. And new information doesn't mean a new, new shot, right? It doesn't mean you, you have to cut to something. Again, going back to Lawrence of Arabia, they had these incredible, just huge Vista moments. But within those moments, there's so much going on and, and you're feeling and you're experiencing something that you, you, I mean, you, you can allow that experience to drift for like 20 or 30 seconds, but it's, it's 20 or 30 seconds of experiencing something. And that's, that, that's the hard part is how do you, how do you give an audience uh, something to experience continuously? Because as soon as they're no longer experiencing something with whatever you gave them, they're out. And then, they're, then then you've lost them and it's really hard to get them back in. I mean, how many times do you watch a movie... And it's like, you know what? I'm kind of done. And then you still keep watching because you're stuck in a the theater or whatever. <laughs> and then they, they get you back in later, but really you're like, I don't know, you know? Totally, man. So you've seen a lot of short horror films. I'm assuming, do you have uh, can you give us a rundown of some of your favorites? Yeah. I mean, I'll just kind of go off the top of my head. I mean, it's funny. Like you see so many films and they call it bleed into memory. Um, you know what's really interesting is the French film uh, Le Jete. Um, I don't know if that's a horror film, but it kind of is. I mean, you know, inspired 12 monkeys. Sure. But you watch Le Jete, and it's amazing because it's such a gripping story, and they're all stills, so there's no moving images. That's right. That's right. And it just shows like the power of, of visual storytelling. And if you're really smart, you can make something truly incredible that, that sticks with you. I think for modern stuff like Mama, the original mama short was, I mean, I mean holy crap. If it was like two minutes and the girl wakes up and you're just like in it. Yeah. And that's just, <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, how smart were those guys to make that? You know what's really incredible too is I saw a and it was more of a teaser, but there's this uh this this sci-fi short called Rise, but these robots that rise up against the humans okay. that recently came out and I mean, the, I mean, who knows how much money they spent on it? Um, but somebody funded this really amazing, more of a proof of concept than a short film, because it, it you know plays like a trailer. But dude, again, it's like I, I watch stuff like that, and I feel like I'm such a lame filmmaker for making these like <laughs> weird little little monster movies, like guys in makeup or animation, because people are doing this super incredible stuff with these robots and CG and like wow like why am i not doing that <laughs> but but it's, it's incredible and you know what i, I will say is uh, probably like the pinnacle of and maybe you know prove me if i'm wrong on this one I'm, maybe i am but i think one of the best horror short films ever is thriller oh i mean absolutely i mean I, maybe someone else has got a better one but I, how can you beat thriller well, first of all, it's not often that you
0: get a director like John Landis making a short film. So yeah. already, you know, he's a guy who was at the time at the peak of his powers. But then, yeah, of course, I mean, and it's paired with all of the charisma of Michael Jackson. But the level of production value in that is insane. And those I mean, it's, zombies, yeah. have got, I've I said this, but to me, the thriller zombies are the coolest zombies I've ever
2: seen. You know what? I mean, I remember as a kid hearing thriller on the radio in my car you know, my, my mom's car, I was like eight or 10 and running out of the car to go turn on MTV thinking it was like the same thing to watch a video. <laughs> right. And obviously it wasn't, it was like some stupid, you know, you know, Madonna video probably. But, uh, <laughs> but it was funny. Cause like, you know, I, as a kid, yeah, I wanted to see that video more than anything. And This is pre YouTube. Yeah, And it's like, I mean, it was, it was just so, it just blew me away. You know, I'm sure deep down I've been trying to make thriller all my life. Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, honestly, that's one of the main things that got me into filmmaking. There was a VHS tape at our local video store, that had the making of Thriller. So I had the music video, but I had the entire <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. And I rented that every time we went to the video store and I would watch it over and over and over again and showed all the makeup effects and everything. And honestly, I probably can credit that as the first thing that really made me want to be a filmmaker. So,
2: you know, it, it's funny you mentioned videos because as a kid, like that's the only way you can uh, do things. And, and it's also funny you mentioned uh, on our, the previous podcast a while back. How, you know, I was like that, that weird surrogate older brother who brought, <laughs> you know, strange things into your life. Yeah. And I, my, my buddy Mitch Main, his brother Jason, because I, I, I'm the oldest in my family, and my friend Mitch, his older brother Jason and Dave, but Jason, he'd bring home from the video store, like, every night over the summer, like, a stack of kung fu movies and horror films, <laughs> right. and Mitch would fall asleep, and I'd watch his movies with Jason, like, all night long. And it's, it's crazy like, how the video store just created so many filmmakers from kids of the 80s and early 90s. And uh, and I remember like in Springville, there's a tiny video store that had faces of death that we rented. <laughs> and, I, and I'll never forget going to this little shack of this tiny, dusty video store. There's an old man there. And I'm easily like 16. And when I was 16, I looked like I was 14, you know? <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'd like to get – it was like me buying beer. Like I never bought beer. Yeah. But it's like my equivalent of buying beer when you're a kid. I was like, oh, can I get off Faces of Death? And the old man's like, oh, how old are you? I'm like, oh, 18. He's like, sure. And you just – you get it and then you watch it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, these people are dying. And later on you, you know that's fake. And, and I also remember how they actually showed Faces of Death 4 – at the theaters in Provo, Utah. that's insane. And that. I went to it with my buddy Mitch, and again, it was incredible to see this thing on a screen and people dying and all this stuff. And and there's no joke uh, outside the theater. Like when you when we when we left, you'd have to dodge the barf. I'm not kidding. So <laughs> many people left that theater and just puked right outside in the hallway, <laughs> even outside. And I got this cool uh, certificate saying. I survived Faces of Death 4. The
0: Faces of Death guy contacted me and asked if I'd make a documentary about him. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dude, you totally should. I, need, I need, If I do it, I'm going to have to track you down for that story because that yeah. was an awesome
2: story. <laughs> oh, dude, no, it was incredible. But it's funny how like video stores as a kid, you you you, you hunt and you seek and you find to kind of like – it's like this weird adventure to find these gems. And now it's like you just go to YouTube. So. I don't know. There's something that's kind of magical about that, that maybe is lost. But now with YouTube, you can find so many other really cool things. So I don't know.
0: It's a different world, but yeah, I mean the access maybe makes up for that sense of discovery. We'll see. We'll see how this generation turns out. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Awesome. man. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll put links to all of the short films that you mentioned in the show notes. And then, If we can put links to some of your films as well, I'm not sure which ones are available for public viewing at this moment.
2: Everything's public except for "Visitant" because that's on um, the Patient 9. Okay, so while people
0: watch out for Patient 9 and uh, check out Nick's other shorts in the show notes at horrormoviepodcast.com. Nick, where's the
2: best place for people to follow you or work online? Uh, Go to my website, npfilm.com, short for Nick Peterson. But NP Film has everything uh, that I do, you know, everything that's really awesome. All, all my bad stuff I, I hide. Cool. <laughs> all <laughs> right, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Thanks, Josh. All
0: right. That was a lot of fun. Thank you again, Nick, for joining us. And at this point in the show, we are going to give you our top five horror shorts. We're just going to go round robin style. So, Dave, why don't you start us off with number five?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I am going to go with that A4. I've gotta find out which it is, if it's Apocalypse or Armageddon now because it's driving me crazy. Okay. From the um ABCs of Death. It is for Apocalypse. It's really is good. what is what it is. It it really is. And even the director of that was somebody I always liked. It was uh I know he had done Time Crimes. Yes. Which was a movie that absolutely blew me away. Nacho Joe Vigalondo, he's the, he directed that and he did also a movie called Time Crimes, which is excellent.
0: Yeah, if Apocalypse is really good. I mean it's uh it really takes you off guard, I think. Uh-huh. It just uh-huh. surprising from the very beginning. And then you're cringing
1: at what this guy is going through. Yes. You know what? And what's what's happening to him? I mean, she's just ruthless. And then you find out like the what where it goes at the end. You're like wow, I mean that's
0: that's really intense heart-wrenching kind of at the same time yes
1: absolutely pretty
0: pretty strong five here for me it's the s from hell and this is probably the least conventional of the films i'm going to mention but it's uh it's a weird little documentary it's from the guy who made room 237 did you ever see that
1: yes I did see Room
0: 237. It's the it's inter- inter- conspiracy
1: Yes, like. interesting stuff. I don't know that I buy any of what anybody is saying in that movie, <laughs> but it's just fascinating to see just how, how deep fans will go into it.
0: So, The S from Hell is the same director as Room 237. And What this one is about is this director's childhood fear of the Screen Gems logo. And how there was huh. just something about that Screen Gems logo that freaked him out as a child, and wow. he starts researching it. And <laughs> I don't know, it's pretty funny. It's it's really weird, really unconventional. And um, that's why I put it kind of toward the bottom of my list. But I think it's huh. one people who are interested in kind of niche cinephile stuff I think could appreciate uh, the S from Hell. It's pretty fun. Nice, that's interesting. We'll put links for all these. I don't know how we'll do the A for Apocalypse. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Do you have a number four?
1: I'm going to cheat a little and sort of rely on this one um, collection that I just watched recently. And it's the Fangoria Blood Drive. Okay. Um, which was their, their seven uh, winning short films from a contest they held. And I was turned on to this by Joel Robertson oh. of, um, of Forgotten Flex And and um, you know he's on the network here. Um, And part of the reason I was turned on to it by him was because one of the short films is his. He his one of his films was one of the winners of uh, of that uh, Fangoria. Um, so I'll go with with uh, with Joel's uh, short film. Uh, it's number four. It's called Shadows of the Dead, and it's interesting. It's a zombie film with no dialogue. Uh, the, the the as a matter of fact, the only dialogue in this is there's a character driving a car listening to the radio. And what he's hearing was lifted from *Night of the Living Dead*. It's the reporter giving the whole, oh. you know, kill the brain and you kill the ghoul, uh, that whole thing. And they, he presented that as if it was a radio, um, you know, this guy's hearing it in his car. But what it is is it's the it's you know the, the zombie apocalypse, and we're dealing with this doctor. Um, and uh, there's this outbreak at the hospital, uh, and as he's driving home, um, he sees somebody in the road, and he sort of pulls off to the side and uh, has a little bit of an accident, and is uh, taken to a disclosed, you know, to an undisclosed location. And uh, I don't want to go too far into it, um, but this is one that um, uh, you know Joel had put together, and it is it's very well done. It is creepy. Um, you know, the zombies look. You know, not bad considering that these things were all made with no budget Uh, and they're all shot on video. That's one thing about all of these is they're all shot on video. So that would be my number four. It's called Shadows of the Dead.
0: And my number four, I struggled whether or not I wanted to share this film with you guys because I've had a run in with this film's director. We did not get on necessarily. He seemed like an insufferable jerk (laughs) the few times we've interacted but I really liked this movie, and more than that, I thought it was one our audience could possibly appreciate, and it was just very different from the other things on my list as well. So, yeah, number four, it's a 33-minute short film called An Evening with My Comatose Mother from 2011. It's directed by Jonathan Martin. Jonathan Martin also runs the Film Quest Film Festival here in Utah, and... I don't know, maybe HMP or the Sci-Fi Podcast will be doing some coverage there in the future. I'm not sure, but anyway, his movie is very visually appealing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the YouTube videos of Devin Supertramp. Uh, This is a guy named Devin Graham, and he's from my local town, and he does these crazy extreme sports YouTube videos that are totally worth watching, some of them. Um, he did, like, World's Longest Rope Swing, where he did it off an arch in southern Utah. And they're just so cool looking. Um, he did one that my friend Matt Matson, a comedian, is in with a giant, they call it a blob down at Lake Powell, where one person jumps on and launches other people into the air. They're essentially just music videos with uh, – you know, pretty young people doing crazy stuff, but it is, they are a lot of fun. And Devin is the cinematographer of this film, and he does an excellent job here. Basically what you have is a young girl is invited as essentially a babysitter to take care of this woman's mother on Halloween night. And the mother is comatose, but she is surrounded by all kinds of crazy dolls and clowns. And hilarity ensues it is very funny actually but it's also just a really cool vibe i like the tone of this movie a lot now going along with my thoughts on the filmmaker this one is not available to watch free online you do have to pay if you want to watch it but it is available on amazon instant video for a $1.99 purchase because yeah of course your short film is so great we should all pay to see it when jennifer kent and sam raimi and all these people have their short films online but anyway Check this one out. I'll put the trailer of the show notes, and if you like it, you can get the full movie on Amazon. Again, it's 33 minutes for $1.99. If you like what you see in the trailer, I don't think you'll be disappointed. That's my number four.
1: All right, well, for number three for me, I'm going to go back to the collection I had mentioned by by Christopher Allen Broadstone, The Three Dead Girls, and I already talked about my skin, and while that would probably be my number three, I'm going to go with this other one, uh, the first film, and it is called Scream for Me, just because it's, it's uh, really an, an intense sort of uh, uh, premise. It, it opens with the murder of a girl by this, this sort of, uh, this sort of uh, very disturbed young man. But what he doesn't realize is that someone else was coming to visit this girl, a rapist who had been, who had been you know, stalking this girl for a while, was about to come in, and he's known as the Madman. It's played by Tony Simmons, who I said is in all three of them. Yeah. Um, and he was about, this was the day where he was going to, you know, was was going to rape this girl. And uh, so what you have is you have this um, this sort of uh, deeply disturbed person facing this serial rapist. And now there's a showdown between the two of them. And it is probably the most violent uh of the three films uh the initial killing is very tough to watch and it takes a while i mean it goes on for what seems like a while but then what actually happens once the madman gets there kind of pales in comparison uh so it is it is a very violent short film and just like i said very interesting is because as to what happens in it so that one's called scream for me
0: i'm gonna do another tie i guess might as well <laughs> at number three because these ones are just because they have similar titles. <laughs> Um, okay. one is the perfect example of the punchline film it's called the little witch and mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a film it's very short i think it's like four minutes long but it's it's got a great punch at the end it gives you this most unnerving thing you can imagine and then
1: you're out of it you know if you're still disturbed yeah it uh, never a gave punchline. you closure
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to talk about this with another film. Because there's no closure, it kind of hangs with you, the disturbing element, you know? Um, This Mm -hmm. one basically, in short, is about a father putting his daughter to bed. (laughs) That's about all I'll say about it. All right. Um, There's another film called Witch from 2014, and it's really good. And it's, it's about eight minutes long, and it is the opposite of The Little Witch. It's a full story, and they pull that off through jumping forward and back through time it's it's out of sequence the film is told out
1: oh yeah 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 okay i i, I got you non linear you Non-linear, know it, it's sort of exactly. yeah yeah and
0: jumping it's it's really place. well done it's it's this couple and it seems like it's going to be like a typical austin you know melodrama mumblecore kind of thing where it's just about these people's relationship this young couple's kind of arguing, and then they have to help this, this lady move in next door. And it descends into madness almost instantly. Again, because of kind of the time shift, because of the nonlinear format, you get into some pretty insane stuff immediately. And then uh, back and forth to kind of see how we got to that point. But it, it's really good. It's called The Witch, and it's one I'd recommend everybody check out.
1: Okay, for me, for number two, I'm going to go back to the Fangoria, the um, the Blood Drive, uh, and this is one called Mister uriums Okay, this is a uh, a tale of the uh, supernatural, I guess would be the best way to put it. It opens up. This guy uh, shows up at this house. Uh, we come to find that he was sent, supposedly sent by the church, because this girl has been experiencing. Uh, what she says are ghosts in her house. You know, she bought this house and she does not want to give it up. She said, I grew up, you know, in a, in, a, in a tenement with two brothers. We had next to nothing and I fought for everything to get this house and I'm not giving it up for some ghosts. But she talks about how they just come walking in through the door and, you know, the, the, the guy from the church asking questions, Do they go through walls. She's like, no, this isn't a cartoon. They just walk in through the door and she says, What it is, I, I'm laying in bed. And uh, sometimes it's Mr. Mr. Williams um, is the most violent of them all. He comes at me with a knife sometimes, and I dream of him killing me. And then when I wake up, he's standing in the doorway, holding a knife, and I can't move. I just can't move. I'm just completely, you know, frozen. Well, there are some twists in this story um, that are very interesting. I thought um, that. Take it in a much different direction than where you are assuming it's going to go. Uh, and again, this was, is this was shot on video for like next to nothing, but it's really, really uh, well executed, I thought. And it does, it it surprises you. I mean, I was just really surprised by, it, it throws a few surprises in there. So that would be my number two. It's called Mr. Mister Uriums and I'm guessing these are from 2004, both shadows of the dead and um uh this one are from 2004 because they were both on that first collection
0: all right number two for me is one of the scariest things i've seen in years and i think i think it was our listener ian west that turned me onto this via twitter i, I can't remember if it was someone else i apologize to whoever it was but it was definitely one of our listeners Uh, showed me this one and this is one that has also been tapped to uh, be made into a feature film in fact i think they've already shot it but it's called lights out and it's extremely short and i think honestly like (laughs) if you watch this right before you go to bed you, uh-huh. you're not going to be able to fall asleep. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. Um, it's, you know, it, it is one of those punchline films. It's very short and sweet. And you know, the punchline is the whole thing. Uh, but it is so terrifying. I want to look at, let me just see how long it is. It's two minutes and 41 seconds long. Wow. And it's so effective. And I, I'm so curious what they're going to do in, in feature length version of this thing. But uh, as a sh- horror short, it's definitely one of the scariest things. <laughs> wow. Seen.
1: That's awesome.
0: Just because it's so short and sweet, it's just so effective in such a short amount of time.
1: Nice. Oh, that sounds familiar. I think I saw that. Was that, I was on Twitter, you said. I think I saw that going back and forth.
0: Yeah. So scary.
1: Nice. All right. Well, for me, I already mentioned, I already kind of spoiled it from before. Vincent would be my number one. Um, just for the, the nod it gives to, to old-time horror like Edgar Allan Poe and Vincent Price. It's narrated by Vincent Price. It was done by Tim Burton. Animated. And i got some of the dialogue here. and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read maybe the first few stanzas here just to give you an idea of what it is. I just found this online. It was written by Tim Burton. Uh, it's, Vincent Malloy is seven years old. He's always polite and does what he's told. For a boy his age, he's considerate and nice, but he wants to be just like Vincent Price. He doesn't mind living with his sister dogs and cats, though he'd rather share a home with spiders and bats. There he could reflect on the horrors he's invented and wander dark hallways alone and tormented. Vincent is nice when his aunt comes to see him, but imagines dipping her in wax for his wax museum. He likes to experiment on his dog Abercrombie in the hopes of creating a horrible zombie. So he and his horrible zombie dog could go searching for victims in the London fog. Um, and that's how it starts. And it goes on from there. Uh, and you have the, the visuals with it. And, you know, this, this it's a little humorous to see this, this kid acting like this this sort of tortured soul. And when he, he realizes he's buried his wife alive and he's digging, then it like snaps and it's his mother, it's, it's his mother's flower bed. So it always kind of snaps him back to reality and his mother is trying to, to show, tell him, look, you're not this tortured soul, you're a little kid, go out and play. Um, but he just can't get over that. Vincent can't get over this. this, like he'd rather be this tortured soul than he would be a little boy. And you get a hint that there's probably a little bit of Tim Burton in this as well, but the animation is just wonderful. Vincent Price does a great job narrating it, and I definitely recommend. I know it's out on YouTube. Definitely check it out. It's Vincent.
0: That's cool. That's great. My number one is one that just completely took me off guard. This is either going to sound totally nerdy or totally elitist, but you know sometimes you're talking to your friends who aren't really that into movies as much as you are. And they try to kind of talk to you about movies. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm going to sit here and listen to you because you're my friend, but you don't really know what you're talking about. Well, I have that experience sometimes. And I had such an experience with one of my high school friends. He, We were staying at a cabin at a lake actually and he said hey have you seen this horror zombie short and you know it was around the time when people regular folks were starting to watch zombie stuff because of the walking dead and i was just like no nah, i'm not really into short films uh, you know whatever whatever zombie short film you've seen is probably not something i'm interested in and then there's this additional layer of resentment there because i'm a filmmaker is my career and For a lot of my friends who are like, he's a dentist. And so for him, I'm kind of doing a fun little silly career while he's doing a real job. And so just that he thinks I'm in the world of making short films, I don't know, was kind of offensive to me in this stupid way. But all of my own personal baggage aside, he put the film on and I was totally blown away. And I already mentioned it's called Cargo and Martin Freeman is in the feature film remake. It's a zombie film, but it's again, it's just one of those that. It's based on a big reveal, but it's so effective. And and like Apocalypse, it's emotionally effective. Like, it hits you so hard, you go, oh, wow. Like, nice. that's, that's what this is all about. And I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, because, you know, th- these are short films. Uh, that was right. seven minutes long. But, man, it's so good, and I... I'm so excited to see what, again, they're going to do to turn this into a feature film. It could truly be a really great film, kind of like Maggie, but with that extra bite we were hoping for. Okay, so that's it for our list. I do have a couple of honorable mentions I wanted to get to. You know, The Visitant I talked about with our guest, Nick Peterson. I you know, I, I said last time, I think it was on the show, that... That you know, I had assumed that the Babadook may have been a little bit ripped off from, from this film, but I hadn't realized that Monster had already existed. So these are both films worth checking out: Monster and The Visitant. Now I know that The Visitant is online some places, but I think they're trying to pull it down because uh, Nick told me it's been picked up for inclusion in. An anthology set so oh
1: yeah they want to get that out of there then That's yeah they're trying to get it off the
0: line. um i'd go back and check out these short films that became feature films like mama and within the woods and saw i think those could all be very interesting and I, i'm gonna put all of those in the show notes so you guys can find them
1: oh you know what i just realized um rare exports started as a short film oh, as
0: well there you go perfect uh, one that I really enjoy is called Cub and it's not the Belgian film The Cub. It's just called Cub. And it's not necessarily horror. It's it's more on the comedy horror end of the spectrum. Uh-huh. But it, it almost feels like a like a Wes Anderson kind of indie film. Oh, nice. But it's nice. just a really fun uh, and extremely simple. Like the whole thing is like essentially one shot. But um But genius and just so hilarious. And the director has gone on to do a feature film that's on Netflix right now called Faults, which is very different stylistically from his short. But he's a really talented guy that I'd like to have on one of the shows here sometime soon. I saw this one at Sundance. It was before Hell Baby, the screening of Hell Baby. And uh, they showed Cub before that. And I just instantly fell in love with it. Nice. One that I want to talk about when we do our Movie Podcast Network bonus episodes It's called When the Zombies Come. But if people want to watch that in preparation for that episode, it'd be a fun one to watch. You can find it on Vimeo, and I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. But it's a documentary about some employees of an Ace Hardware store who are obsessed with zombies due uh, probably to The Walking Dead. And they've figured out their zombie survival plan that involves their Ace Hardware store, a gas station, Uh, nearby and a nearby grocery store and how they're going to survive the zombie apocalypse. And so on our bonus episode, what I want to do is get a collection of, you know, of uh, panelists to each discuss what their zombie survival plan would be with this short film as kind of the lead off in discussion. That's a fun one to check out as well. Three others really quick. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, That I'm really excited about. One's called Downstairs. Uh, Watch that one. Banshee now Banshee is 21 minutes long and Downstairs is 17 minutes long so these are bigger commitments but these are two that I'd recommend if you're enjoying this trip on kind of this YouTube rabbit hole of watching short films, definitely check out Downstairs and Banshee those are two recent films, 2014 and 2015 one of our listeners recommended the film Treevenge which is just awful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a ridiculous <laughs> splatter horror comedy. The The poster is like 10 times better than the movie, but it's a lot of fun. It's really hilarious. Um, totally worth watching. It just it, It's just a blast. So I'd check that All out right. as well.
1: I, I'll tell you what. There's um, Something Weird Video puts out a lot of uh, really bizarre exploitation films. And I'm talking like from the 60s. And this isn't just the 70s. It goes back into the 60s. Yeah. Uh, with, like, Dars Wishman and, and uh, a lot of people like that. Um, I, they put out all of the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. Right, right. Um, but all, most of their collections come out, they have short films on them. I think one of the most interesting is on the Blood Feast uh, DVD release, the short film that they had was a uh, tutorial on how to carve meat. And, <laughs> and it, it actually was the screen debut of Harvey Corman really it was like the first thing harvey corman ever did was this little uh tutorial <laughs> oh. on, on on how to carve meat but some of the things that happen they're like like the, the one uh, one um uh thing i was looking for is that you know i had seen one short from called the geek yeah from 1971 and like i was it's a 14 minute short um that was on one of the collections. i can't remember which which one it was now um one of the something weird, you know, video collections. But what it does is it, it's, you know, you're, you're following this this group of people through the woods, and they have an encounter with uh, Bigfoot. Okay, the the, the Bigfoot monster. Um, uh, you know, they they, they encounter the Bigfoot monster. Yeah. Well, in this geek, what happens all of a sudden? It just really shoot uh, through me. Was, um, and I guess it's about the 11 minute mark. You see him raping one of the women um and i'm like what the hell is going on here well i came to find out that this 14 minute short had been edited down from a 50 50 minute triple x porn film
0: wow interesting Uh, and
1: i thought i'm going in to see this horror film um and what i was doing was seeing what was left of a 50 minute porn film when they cut out most of the porn except for one rape scene of Bigfoot raping, wow. raping a girl. Um, so th- and then you get things on these collect like, like like okay. I was looking to see um, when we were doing this horror shorts. And I'm looking through some of these to see what they might have, and I said, oh, okay, let's look at this. This is a horror film, and, and then it's like Frankenstein and the stripper, <laughs> you know, things like that, where it's four minutes of Frankenstein watching a strip show. Um, so it, it's it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, a lot of where the short film has was back then yeah you know and, and and what what they were using this for back then
0: yeah that's so fascinating yeah um when you mentioned bigfoot i totally forgot one more recommendation that i i love that film eagle walk and i talked about it when we did our bigfoot episode where we interviewed eduardo <laughs> Eduardo Sanchez, oh, I, eduardo
1: I Sances, yes yes yes
0: but this was a it's a 30 minute short film and you can find it online called Eagle Walk and it is my favorite version of a Bigfoot movie, other than exists probably. It's it's shot in the style of just a typical eighties slasher film, but Boy. with Bigfoot. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's really well done. I mean it looks it kind of almost looks like a Platinum Tunes remake of a slasher, basically. It's kind of like the wow. vibe of it. But it's a period piece. So yeah, anyway, it's wanna check it out. It takes place in nineteen eighty one. That's right. So uh, definitely one I'd recommend if if you've got thirty minutes. Basically, if you take a look at my recommendations, they go from two minutes to thirty minutes, and so the further you get into it, if you're really enjoying yourself, you can go a little bit, a little bit longer, a little bit longer.
1: Okay, interesting. Oh, no, you know, another thing we threw out there. I know we talked about it on the show, so we didn't want to touch touch into it, I guess into it too much. But I probably would might have even chosen one of these is the um, All Hallows Eve. Oh yeah, we had talked about those uh, those they those started as three shorts. Um, that were made years apart. That the uh, director then just formed, you know, came up came up with this framing story about a babysitter and put these three shorts together into a uh, an anthology. But they they started as just short films.
0: Cool. And then mm-hmm. lastly, the one I wanted to talk about the, is a straight up splatter film, and I haven't really talked about anything like that on, on my list so far. So I, I at least wanted to mention it is uh, one that is called Don't Move. And it's really strong. It's uh, clearly inspired by Sam Raimi's Evil Dead films and is just a blast to watch. So I'd recommend checking that out. All right, well, that is the end of our horror short talk, I guess. Uh, Dave, where can people follow you online?
1: Come on over to DVDinfatuation.com. I am closing in on... What will be my last year? Uh, come June 20th, uh, I'll be posting. I'm not sure. I guess. I guess it'll be number 2135 because then it'll just be because because June 20th of 2017 is when number 2500 will be going up. So I'm approaching my my last year wow. of uh, of the blog, and right now I'm at 2102 as of this recording so yeah i'm still going strong over there come on over stop over and check me out there check me out at um twitter at dvd infatuation i have changed things up again a bit i'm now including screenshots with a lot of the trivia tweets that i that i send out i'm on facebook check me out on facebook and of course the land of the creeps podcast with Greg mortis and uh Hanfield Hatchet and Jesse Robbins and Dr. Dirty, who was um, Greg's original podcasting partner when they when they started the creature feature show way back in. I want to say, was it 2010 now? I guess
0: it was. Jay would love that.
1: Yeah. And he's he's back on with him um, and essentially because they're playing some of their old interviews. They actually interviewed David Hess um, Mm -hmm. and um, actually got David Hess got a little P.O.'d at them (laughs) during the interview because they made a, a, uh, a reference to um, you know, when he used to do music and the main reason he had come on to talk with them was to promote his music that he was still doing. Oh, that's um, so So led to a little bit of intense exchange with, with David Hess there, which I've never heard it. I've only heard Greg talk about it, and I'm really anxious to, <laughs> to hear that interview. But I understand he's going to be releasing some of those as they go along because he was able to track down most of them. One thing, I just wanted to throw this out there, and, and um, not to end on a downer, but uh, one of the podcasts I've been listening to for years, one of the first podcasts I listened to was the B-Movie cast, which was hosted by Vince Rotolo. And unfortunately, Vince passed away um, unexpectedly. He was out jogging, and um, and he had a heart attack. And uh, I think he was 62 so it was very sudden, um, and it's very shocking for a lot of people. I, he, he had just posted his three hundred and seventy-fifth episode. He did weekly, and he did three-hour shows every week. And this guy was dedicated, wow. and he, he he had a real, a real love for B-movies. Um, there wasn't a movie that he didn't say you should have in the collection. I mean, if it was Man in His Hands of Fate or Ego. He loved them. He loved all the films. Uh, you know, he, he definitely will be missed. He helped a lot of other people get started with podcasting and whatnot. Just a really nice guy. And yeah, the 375th, I think obviously it was two days later, um, when, when he passed away. So I did just want to mention that. And it, it is a big loss for, for podcasting, um, for somebody who's been doing it for so long and, um, has so many episodes out there. It is a shame, and um, you know, obviously, sympathies go out to to his wife, who did co-host with him uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah. The whole community—it was—it just sort of rocked everybody. It was just kind of a shock. I did have to mention it just because I've I've been a fan of that show for so long.
0: Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Well, it's it's too bad. I'm sad to hear that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I hate to end it on a down note like that, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> life is real. Life happens.
1: Yeah. Now, what are you gonna do?
0: Uh, people can find me on Movie Streamcast. I review movies that are currently streaming online in kind of short form. Hopefully, the, the episodes are supposed to be about 20 minutes. They always go long because oh. I can't stop talking. But um, <laughs> yeah, check that out at MovieStreamcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IcarusArts. And I'm also uh, occasionally doing the sci-fi podcast from time to time. If there are any listeners out there who want to share their favorite horror shorts, please let us know. Leave them in the comments at horrormoviepodcast.com. It's, of course, of all the things we talk about on the show, this is probably the biggest topic we could cover. There's so many short films out there. It's so impossible to even have a grasp on even just a small corner of the short films market. So if people have a great horror short that we missed, uh, you don't have to you don't have to tell us off, just just post it in the comments and we'll all right. watch it and we'll be excited about watching it. Yeah, it's a private yeah. discussion for you know for the bigger discussion that happens on the message boards at HorrorMoviePodcast.com but also, especially if any of our listeners have their own horror shorts, please share them with us. We'd love to see them. Um, I believe it was Shane Wheeler is one of our listeners that did a short film called The Brethren, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a little while. Shane, if you're out there, post your post your short. We'll check it out. I mean, I know we've got a lot of talented listeners out there, people who are, are filmmakers and writers. And if you've ever done a horror short, let's check it out. It'll be fun.
1: I actually, I actually have, and it's not a horror short. Obviously, it was a PSA that I had done when I was in college. Yeah, that was one of the things that when, when you were in the communications back then, is you, you did a lot of short films, you did a lot of documentaries, those right. type of things. Oh, um, but it's fun, you know. It was uh, I kind I do kind of miss those days of of um of editing and putting together films and so forth and yeah. i talked to joel about joel about it every now and again you know because joel sort of remembers that time too and obviously he had um he had done his own hard show i don't know if he even talks about that on his show
0: No, yeah, no i so had I no I'm, idea uh, that joel was a filmmaker and had had i mean Look, I consider that a pretty big success to be picked by Fangoria to be a part of their DVD compilation. That's pretty
1: awesome. Absolutely. And I enjoyed the film, too. I thought he, I thought he did a good job with it. Cool. Like I said, for, for a zero-budget, shot-on-video type of film, it, it's excellent.
0: Yeah. It doesn't take a big budget to make something that's compelling. So
1: Nope, absolutely.
0: Cool. Well, that's it for us this week. We love your comments, so please get involved in the HMP community by tweeting at us at horror movie cast emailing jay at horror movie podcast at gmail.com or best of all leaving your comments at horror movie Podcast.com so we can all join in the fun you can also leave jay a voicemail at 801-382-8789 subscribe on itunes for free and please leave us a review it helps subscription and the reviews help us a lot in terms of visibility And also, you know what? Share a horror movie podcast with a friend. Somebody was telling me the other day, I think it was Jody, listener Jody from Ohio, told me he was bringing us new listeners by word of mouth. Guys, sounds like a great idea. We want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music. You can find more of it at frederickingram.com. Also linked in the show notes that's it for episode 89 thank you for listening and join us friday after next for another episode of horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies